It's time for Breathe Again Magazine, the radio show. A moment of hope, inspiration, and solutions. Listen to real-life testimonies from women and men just like you who have gone from victim to victorious. Sit back, listen, connect in the chat room, and share the show with a friend. Here's your host, author, and motivational speaker, Nicole Cleveland. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's show is titled A Mother's Love. My guest is Reverend Myrna Brown. Last week, I had her son on the show, and he shared his story, his victorious testimony of being incarcerated for 37 years, being faced with a life sentence plus 47 years, but he's a free man today. Now, he came on to share his story, but today I'm talking to his mother, Reverend Myrna Brown. She's going to talk about how she felt as a mother when she was in that courtroom and that judge gave her 19-year-old son a life sentence plus 47 years. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Reverend Myrna Brown, thank you so much for joining us on today. Um, And thank you for your transparency. You know, many people are going through and have gone through what you've gone through in regards to standing by your son, 37 years in prison, and you were right by his side. I tell you, um, listeners, if you did not hear the show last week, I repeat, go back and listen to the last episode that we had with Wally El Shabazz Roderick. And he talks about how he was incarcerated for 37 years. And he really talks about um, the things that he did as a youth. He was faced with a life sentence plus 47 years and nothing but the grace of God. He is home. He is free. And he is trying to give back. He is reaching back to those that are going through something that he went through and really encouraging these young people and encouraging the mothers out here. And today we have his mother on the line. Ain't that a blessing? We have a uh, Reverend Myrna Brown on the line and she stood by him. And one thing that he said on the, the show last week was you stood by him the entire time and you showed love the entire time. And what he wanted was for you to see him walk out of those doors and you saw him walk out of those doors. Reverend Brown, I want you to take me back to that day that he was sentenced to life in prison plus 47 years. As a mother, what was going through your mind? I call you Lady Lady Nicole, okay? Lady Nicole, uh, that day when, the, before the sentence was imposed, I, of course, he, like he said, we all were there, okay? And um, my friend's father was in the bathroom, and he came out of the bathroom because we, we were on recess and he said they want to give him two life sentences like that, right? And I said, but they won't. So when we went back in session and the judge began to go through his spiel and when he 
imposed the sentence of life plus 47 years. Of course, my heart sunk. Okay. And of course, because prior to him giving the sentence, he said, I don't want any outbursts of crying and da 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 or all of that, you know. So we were all calm, but when he when he um imposed the sentence, my heart sunk. And of course the tears began to drop. And I went through years of blaming myself, okay? Oh. Until oh. in nineteen ninety-two I started a women's ministry that the Lord had placed on my heart and I needed a scripture. And all I could think of was life was life. And this, this is how I got through this in 19 by 1992. And the scripture that the Lord gave me was Romans five, one through six. And I paraphrase it as, as long as there is life, there is hope. And that is how I began to process. And as I prayed after the Lord gave me that scripture, he said, it's not your fault. Okay. Because I went through the spill of the, of the, the pain with, if I had taken enough time, if I didn't, because I worked two, maybe sometimes three jobs. Okay. But, uh, I married my 20 year friend in 1984. Okay. And then he passed in 1986. So of course I was, it was like double things, you know, this double thing on me. And, uh, he, you know, my children loved him for the 20 years and, 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 you know, all throughout our relationship. So it was a thing where I, I just didn't know what to do until 1992. And if you remember on his, uh, in his video, I mean, on his uh, talk, uh, his presentation, he said it was 1992. Hmm. And that's when the Lord gave me that scripture where there is life, there is hope. And I went through the 35, 37 years with him, with that type of hope. And, and, and what I want to say to the mothers who are facing this and who are going through this is just like he said, it's just like he said, listen to your children, listen to them. Because after the program, we talked and he said there were times that he needed to talk to me, but I wasn't available. Okay. And I've always had an open door policy, but it was on my time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes, and and I I have even stressed to to the young women that go back to cooking. You know, sit your children down at the table. Stop sending them out or take going out to this place and that that processed food. Okay, cook a meal. Okay, sit down at the table. If you can't do it every day, always prepare a meal for Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that way you can sit down, ask them how their week went, and all of that. Th- these are the things that I missed right. at right. some point. But, but as they, when they were little, when they were little now, uh, and before I really started working, you know, I can't even go back to that, that part of my story, but 
it was it was that's what I did. Yeah. I did yeah. that until they got older and I began to have to work and work two jobs and thank God. And then, you know, when it came to a point where I could stop working those those two, maybe three jobs um, and marrying my husband, he died on me. So I had that was another I had to go back to that again. So yeah. I, I, I would encourage encourage uh the mothers and the fathers because you have the fathers who go through this too that uh when their children are committed to the to the justice system okay and uh and i remember in his when he talked about that, that when he went to when he was at nottaway and they kept him in the hole right talking about the hole because he was always trouble and when he and when he didn't couldn't call me that that was even worse okay but then when he would call me tell me I said what did you do this time you know so he would tell me and I say well it's time for you to grow up you know because you can't have it your way it's gonna it's it's their way and not your way okay so but it was by faith it was by hope it was it was about about the the, the Lord uh, leading and guiding me and my proof forward because I could have just uh, stayed in my in my journey, right. okay, and just right. passed it on. But my friend and he said it. My friend said we got to do the time with him. Okay, and I did that time with my child. You know, and it was it was hard. It was hard, but as long as there's life, there is hope. Reverend Myrna, talk to me about the guilt because there are so many women out here and men that they're, they're raising them up because oftentimes you'll hear people say, well, it's the upbringing, it's the parents' fault, it's this one's fault, it's that one's fault. But I have seen where you could bring two children up under the same household, under the same teaching, one go one way and another one go the complete opposite way. I've seen it, it's just life. And so to that point, to those women that really care carry that burden or that man that carries that burden that sits on them, that they're they're so ashamed and they feel like that pressure of society and people around them labeling them. What, what would you say to them? Well, what I would say is, it's like, I, I repeat myself is that once you process this thing and you look back and you go over how, what you did, how you raised them. Now, in between the time, before the time that uh, I married my, my, my late husband, there were times that I did have other men in the household, okay? And of course, with two boys and two girls, uh, it was like, they didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I always told them, the, the men, that uh, you know there are three things that you don't do: is uh, bother my children, mess with my money, and hate and hit me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so keep to yourself. Say what? My children, my money, and keep your hands to yourself. That's then keep your hands to yourself. Uh-huh. So when you broke those, when you went past those limits, then you out the doubt. You know, but so therefore, um, and then there was a time that I, Roderick had, 
well, you know, he's my son. I call him Roderick. Uh Well, uh, there was a time that he had gotten so aggressive in his behavior that I took him, filed a petition for being incorrigible. Explain that. What does that mean? It being encouraged, but he just would not mind. You know, he he just would not mind me. And um, he just went and did what he wanted to do, okay? And and from that day that I sat down with the pretrial uh, probation officer, whoever she was, and, and she asked me, did you not bring him in for being encourageable? And I said, yes. What does that have to do with today? He was a lot younger. Okay. Well, I left out of that room felt, and I felt like I had, I was the criminal. Mm. Okay. Cause I said to myself, when I walked out of that door, that, uh, this lady don't like my son. Okay. She, and she said, when I walked out the door, I sympathize with you. Well, the next day, lady, lady, Nicole, I called her and I said, did you see any good in my child? And she said, absolutely not. My God. Right. And so there were times during that period before 1992, where I said, I shouldn't, maybe I should not him downtown. That was part of the guilt. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So that was part of the guilt that I experienced in, in taking my child down there because they 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 pinpointed that. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and all through juvenile, he was a good football player. The coaches went to court in juvenile courts and they even committed him to, you know, to the Stanhope house over there off of, uh, off of Merrimack Avenue and all of this, everybody tried to help him. Okay. But that thing stuck to me for years that I should never have done that. And, and, uh, and so, but when I, but then I had to, you know, I had to go back to 1992 that when the Lord began to minister to my spirit, that's when I, it, it broke, but I want to let them, and, and I, 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 I want to let them know that the mothers and fathers know that when you've done all you can do, you have to place them in the hands of God. Yeah. Okay. And my, I, prayed a prayer. I prayed a prayer. I prayed a prayer for my next son, next to Roderick, some, you know, years, years ago, because he was intending to try to go on the wrong path. And I said, God, whatever you do, do whatever you have to do. Just don't kill him. Okay, and I placed that prayer on Roderick, Tyrone, Tasha, and Shay. I placed that prayer over in all of my grandchildren and now my great grandchildren. Okay, yes, so it's, it's a thing where you have to trust God, you got to believe in that as long as there's life, there's hope. You're going to see your child come out of that. And I pray, God, just don't let me die while my child is in the penitentiary. Okay? I, because, I, you know, I didn't want him to come to my funeral with chains and shackled down and all of that, you know? So 
I pray that prayer, but you got to keep that hope. You have to walk in faith that he's going to, he or she is going to be okay. Okay. Yeah. You got to put some money on your books, on your phone. You let them call you. Okay. Back then they could call collect on a, on a house phone. That would run your bill. Sky. Yeah. We, yeah. The phone bill was always raging and all of everybody, everybody played a part in this family in his incarceration. And, um, so it's a thing where, where everybody went to see him. Visits are, are important. Visits are very important. There needs to be a support It has to be a support system. And he had a support system not only from his siblings, but his, his cousins and, and all of that. You know, everybody pitched in and did what was necessary to do. Okay. They went to visit with me and there was a time when you could take food, you know, he loved to eat. Okay. And you could take food, but now it's like you, you, you can't, and it's so wet, so guarded now that, you know, it's like you, you're sitting there and you have to talk, you know, so that everybody, everybody can't hear you. But the main thing about that guilt they have you have to come to that point to say I did all I could do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did what was necessary to keep and I always told my, my my children, you have no reason to go to jail because you know you go to jail for stealing. You go to jail for uh, uh, talking to the boys for rape or uh, 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 whatever that, you know, that's on you. But it was just something about that life plus 47 years sentence that took me. It, it broke my it just broke my spirit, yeah. it yeah. broke my spirit. But that you will come to a point that you got to just think and say, I did all I could do to go visit and let them call. Go ahead. What about the parents that say, I can't do this anymore. I've raised you the right way and you're still out here doing this. I give up. And so therefore they did not tell them to go out here and do all these things that they did. So they washed their hands of them. What advice would you give to, to that mother, that father, that sister, that brother that has just said, You've done this over and over and over again. I'm walking away from this. Well, it's a, it's, I, I have a saying of let them find their, find their way. When they're away from home, you have no control. Okay? And, and, and this is one thing that another thing that you have to pay attention to their friends. Okay? Who they are associating with. Um, I even call parents. <laughs> okay. So don't just let your child just be out there and, and you allow them to, cause you, you, you know, spend the night with people and, and all of that. You have to pay attention to your children. You have to pay attention to them because, and, 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 and by me working so much, I, you know, I missed a lot, but I, but I made it a point that there was a time that we sat down at that table and we, we would talk. Okay. Now, if you didn't choose to, if 
they didn't choose it because I asked them questions. Okay. So, so, um, you know, they come up with whatever answer, but I watched who they associated with. And the young man, the young man that my, his co-defendant, I had never seen before Hmm. in the courtroom. Okay. Until I went to the, in the courtroom and he was, he was in custody of his great uncle who was a friend of my mother's. I never saw. And as a matter of fact, lived in our home house, our homestead home. Okay. In Norfolk, but I had never seen this, this child. Okay. Until I saw him in the courtroom. So pay attention, pay attention, parents, pay attention to who your children are associating with. Okay. And I don't care how, how, how old they are, how young they are. Okay. Because you don't know the minds of, of these children and how they are being reared. Okay. If, if they are permitted to stay in my, at my house till nine o'clock. Okay. Then Somewhere down the line, they don't have a curfew. Somewhere down the line, their mother or their father is not paying attention to them. Because, see, my house was one of the houses where all the children went. By having four children, everybody had friends and different friends and same friends. And they would say, if you want to see if they were out, see if so-and-so-and-so is around Miss Myrna's house, okay? And more likely their child would be there. They kept felt comfortable with that, but I didn't allow my children to do that. That's right. And, 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 and where did I go wrong? That was one of the questions. Where did I go wrong? Mm-hmm. Okay. Where did I go wrong? I asked myself that many times, mm-hmm. you know, and so, because, um, they told me, my children told me I wanted them to be better than anybody. I say, I want you to be who you are, but but when you choose friends, I want to know who they are. That's right. That's right. Okay. Rightfully so. And I would tell them, I don't, I, you know, and back then, you know, I wasn't all of that. You know what you're saying? I was doing my thing. Okay. So it's, it, but I, but I had, I had that gift of discernment where I could even look in the child's eyes and I could see where they were. Okay. So, um, so, uh, you know, pay attention to your children, Amen. you know, do some activities with your children. Yeah. Okay. And don't, and don't, that guilt, that guilt that you are going to, that they will feel, that you will feel or experience, that guilt is heavy, can be heavy. Yeah. But know that God is with you. Yeah. Yeah. Know that there is hope. Amen. There is hope as long as there is life. Amen. So you got to do the time with them. Okay. And and uh, that, the guilt is very fierce, and I don't, I, 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 I can't take nothing away from guilt. That's right. Because That's I blamed right. myself for years but for this. Let it, go. let it go. You gave it to God, and you let it go. Let it go. That's right. I had to give it to God, or I would have, I would have just went under. Yeah. If I had. Yeah. Yeah. You see. If I had not let it go, I would have gone under. I've probably been still uh, sitting around drinking that 
that that, that bourbon. That juice, that juice, and brown juice. <laughs> yes, yes. Bourbon Brown, it has been a blessing. I'm so glad that you stopped by the show. Any last words, anything you got going on with your ministry? I love you. You're just such a, I love your spirit. I just love how down to earth you are. You are, you know, you are in, you're in your 70s, right? But you are going strong. I said, when I grow up, I want to be like you, Reverend Burke. Oh, no. <laughs> but I tell you one, another little thing that I began to plant seeds. Amen. I began to plant seeds to uh, my pastor. And I planted seeds. And every time I planted a seed, I had a purpose for that seed. You put a name on it. I put a name on it. Yes. And I and look, look, I'm telling you, it was I went to the parole board 18 times. Wow. Wow. I, I even went to a parole board hearing when the, uh, there was a woman who had a daughter who was a victim and a son who had committed a crime. When me and when I walked out of her office, I said, "There, my son ain't getting out with this lady here because she's trying to try to empathize with me. How you going to empathize with me when you telling me that your daughter went through trauma? Okay, and all of that. So it's it's a thing where." It's a thing where um, uh, it had gotten to that point 18 times going before the parole board. And a well-known congressman, the last time I went, he asked me, do you know that your son, do you know or do you believe that your son has changed? I said, I know. He said, that's a strong word. Okay. I said, I know after 35, 37 years, I know my son has changed. Okay. And the thing, and thing about it that people say, well, you, you, you a Christian and he's, a, and he turned to Islam. Yeah. Because you know why he turned to Islam? Because there was no one there to even witness to my child, but a Muslim. He saved my son's life. So don't be so concerned about the, the religious persuasion, okay? And we have, yeah. me and my son talked on the phone, and he would ask me questions and stuff like that. I'm going to get off in a minute. But it, it's like now you come to that point that you can combine the two and know that God brought you out and kept you in that, it kept you while you were incarcerated, yes. yeah. okay? And yes, when he came out that walked on that ground, I began to speak in tongues. And by shape, that was the tongues of praise. Baby, I lit. I sat in that trunk waiting on my child come out, honey. And I began, and everybody around, they stopped. Till I finish, honey. I said, I said, God, if you let him go, I said, I'm gonna praise you in, in the way that you know the praise. Ain't nobody gonna understand this thing. But yes, I spoke in tongue. Praise God in tongue. And when he got out of the support system of his sister Shay up there in Northern Virginia, let me tell you, when he walked out, my my daughter Shay made a made sure he had everything he needed. 
Amen. Okay. And everybody can't say that, but let me tell you something. If you stand with God and you hold on to that mustard seed faith, yeah. I'm going to say it like that. If you stand on God and, and, and stand on that mustard seed faith, baby, you will see your child come out of those doors. I love it. But just keep the faith. Keep the faith. Plant some seeds. Don't look, plant them. No, and plant it on good ground. Okay. All right. And that's it. Thank you so much for stopping by the show today. I had to have you on because I believe the listeners wanted to hear from the mama as a mother, how you felt when your child was was given that sentence at the age of 19 and how you just stood yes. by him. So I commend you, but I know it was nobody but the God in you. But look, I got to come back and tell my story though. All right. We're going to have you back so you can tell your story. <laughs> we may have a, a series, a, a Reverend Brown yeah, a series. series of Myrna Brown. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you. And God bless you. I'll see you next time. I love you. Love you too.